The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. What, what's got you feeling overwhelmed? It's keeping you up at night, stressing you out, and you're trying to regulate it. You're trying to manage that. Maybe you're bottling it up or maybe you're just pretending like you could just push it aside, but you can feel like it's just kind of laying there under the surface, just waiting to erupt. And you know, the reality is there's a lot of things going on inside of every one of us. And at some point in our lives, we're gonna feel like life is not just out of control, but we're overwhelmed by our circumstances. And quite frankly, we're gonna get stressed out. And so you can look at this from a purely medical or uh, you know, psychiatric perspective. And by the way, I am not a doctor. Uh, I am not a psychiatrist, nor do I play one on TV. Um, but I, I can Google like all the rest of us. And so I did a little bit of research on the research of uh, what goes on inside of us when we get stressed out. And so let me just give you a little bit of a, a clue in. Uh, when you go through a, st- a stress event, meaning a circumstance, a situation that releases adrenaline, all right? So this is what causes the flight or fight or freeze response inside of you. It's some type of a stressful situation. Maybe it's the sound in the middle of the night that causes you to jump out of bed, your heart's racing really fast. And, uh, and then, you know, you realize there's just, you know, a raccoon that knocked over the trash can, you get back in bed and now you can't fall asleep because your heart's racing. Um, well, what, what was released in your body was this surge of adrenaline right? And this is what happens when we get stressed out. Then your body has to go back to sleep. And so your body self-regulates. It actually corrects itself by releasing another powerful hormone called cortisol. Cortisol is the balancing hormone to adrenaline. And basically what it does is it tries to bring your body back into equilibrium so that it settles down and goes back to sleep. That's actually physically what's going on, chemically what's going on inside of you. Okay. The challenge is that this uh, hormone cortisol uh, is a very powerful hormone like adrenaline and can actually poison your body. So the longer you're stressed out or the more stressful the event, the more cortisol that your body has to release in order to bring it back into equilibrium. Okay, so this is where the research kicks in. Studies have, have discovered that the higher cortisol levels you have in your body, the, the less ability you have to make good decisions, meaning it erodes your critical thinking skills. It actually messes with your sleep patterns. So initially, a little bit of cortisol will help counterbalance adrenaline and help you go back to sleep. But if your body becomes dependent on cortisol in order to sleep, you're, it'll actually throw off your sleep patterns. So some of you, the reason why you're having issues with sleeping is because of a heightened level of stress that your body is trying to counterbalance and now it's throwing off your sleep patterns. It will actually mess with your immune system. Higher cortisol levels actually erodes your immune system. It messes with your digestive system. And so some of us, what's going on physically is actually a response, a chemical response to the stresses that we're feeling around us. Okay, so yay, isn't that encouraging? So now you're sitting there and you're thinking, I am stressed because you're talking about stress and all the terrible things happening inside of me. Thanks, Patrick, you're actually wrecking my day and my my adrenaline levels spiked and now cortisol is kicking in and literally poisoning me from the inside out. This is not a helpful sermon. Okay, now here's here's the problem. That's at a chemical level. So an outside 
circumstance releases causes the inside release of adrenaline that is counterbalanced by cortisol. That's what's going on inside of me at a chemical level. But there's also other layers, aren't there? There's emotional layers where I feel fear and doubt, worry. And then there's deeper layers than that where we feel shame and guilt and inadequacy and a loss of control and a loss of power where we feel powerless. What do you do about those levels? Because those things, right? So you can have a circumstance around you where you feel surrounded by trouble, but it releases a poison of worry, a poison of doubt, a poison of fear, a poison of insecurity, of inadequacy, of worthlessness or powerlessness that begins to poison you and I from the inside out. What do we do with that? Where it's not just the enemies or the troubles surrounding us, outside circumstances, but it's the poison in us that begins to surround us. Right in that spot, that's what I wanna talk about. With using the illustration or the story of the life of King David. King David, uh, who is the most loved and honored king in the nation of Israel, he wrote many of the Psalms that we have in the Bible. He's kind of a hero individual in ancient Israel, ancient Jewish history. So his story, here's a, here's a guy who grows up as the youngest brother of eight, so he's treated like the runt of the family, and so he gets the crummy job of being the shepherd to the family sheep. So he grows up raising sheep out in the pastures while his brother's gonna do the more honorable and respectable jobs, including going to battle, and David wants to go to war. Well, fast forward David's story. He kills the giant Goliath. He becomes a well-known and well-respected warrior in the nation of Israel, and then, Samuel, the national prophet, comes and anoints him the next king of the nation of Israel, which sounds like a great thing, except that when you're not the king and you're not the heir to the throne and the other king knows it, you get hunted. And so David gets hunted by King Saul because he's a threat to his throne. So David spends years running for his life, hunted by the king of Israel, who's pursuing him to kill him. So David gets used to hiding while being hunted in the mountains of Israel. Then Saul dies in battle. David becomes the king of the portion of Israel called Judah, and then he eventually becomes the king of Israel. As soon as the enemies of Israel learn that David has been made king, this is what happens next. So we're gonna jump into the historical account found in 2 Samuel chapter five, where here, here we go, we're just gonna start reading. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Okay, so check this out, right? So <laughs> David is made king and immediately the enemies of Israel come to kill the new king. And so he goes from being made king to being killed. This is gonna be a very short-lived reign as the new uh, king of Israel. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, so now we're gonna jump in, we're gonna fast forward to Psalm, uh, 2 Samuel 23, where at the end of David's life, he's reflecting back on this moment because this is an important moment in his life. Frankly, because if he had died, that would have been the end of his reign. 
clearly he doesn't die because he's looking back many years later on this moment. So here we go. At that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water. Okay, so y'all with me here? So the entire army or a, a massive army of the Philistines is camped out in the Valley of Rephaim right near Bethlehem where David grew up. So this might make you think of like some epic war movie where the enemy comes and they hunt for the family of the king. And so they're literally in his hometown. David's hiding up in the mountains. He can look down on his home village where the Philistines are camped out. He can see the, uh, the pasture land where he used to raise the sheep. Now we're gonna jump back in. He can see the pools of water where he would graze the sheep and they would come and they would drink from the pools of water. And David longed for water and said, oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. And so David's looking out there and, he, and he's looking down over Bethlehem and he remembers the sweet water from that well as a boy where he would lead the sheep and he would reach down and he would get a, a drink of that water. And, and really what he's doing is this. He's stressed out. He's, he's in over his head. Life has gotten very complex. He got the promotion he always wanted, and then he discovered that, that, discovered that promotion comes with bigger problems. Higher levels, bigger devils, right? And suddenly, so you've been waiting your whole life, and you've been hoping that you would get married, and now you got married, and you discovered that even that has its challenges. You got the promotion you wanted and suddenly you got big problems that came with it. You got the bigger paycheck, so you, you increased your lifestyle to match it and now you're stressed out because you can't keep up with all of the challenges. You, you always wanted kids and now you have them. <laughs> and, and suddenly, all of the dreams of life become incredibly complex and they bring a lot of pain and problems with them. And here's David looking at an enemy while wearing a crown and life has gotten really complex and he's thinking back to simpler times. And he remembers holding the water of that well. But it's not the water, it's, it's the simplicity. It's the memories of being a shepherd of sheep. And he's thinking about this shepherding of sheep. He begins to think about his God and probably in a context a lot like that, probably hiding in the stronghold in a cave called Adullam, or in the cave of Adullam, looking out over an enemy that's hunting him, David would have written the most famous psalm ever written. It's probably the most famous poem in all of history, where he writes this, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And then he continues and he's thinking about being a shepherd and God being a shepherd. And he said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Am I the only one that reads that thinking about the circumstances of David's life? And I'm going, what are you talking about? What? No, no, no. When you and I are surrounded by enemies who want to kill us because we've been made king, we're not thinking, oh, God, you've been a shepherd to me. You, you, you invite me to lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside quiet waters. We're going like this. God, where are you? What have you done to me? You gave me what I wanted, but I didn't really want this. My life is a mess. My life is a disaster. God, where are you? Life is raging against me. Life has broken open like a dam and the water is crushing me. And David writes, 
The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Here's here's why. Because David knew something so few of us know. That the circumstances around us, what's surrounding us on the outside, does not have to become poison that surrounds us on the inside. That you can have trouble all around you and yet rest in peace. I want you to write that down. Rest in peace. Now, please don't tag me on this. (laughs) Pastor Jay heard this sermon and he literally tagged, rest in peace, Patrick Rash. (laughs) And my poor wife reads this and she's not resting in peace. She's like, what happened to my husband? Why are people saying rest in peace, Patrick Rush? Okay, so please don't do that. People will think I died. I know, right? Like we don't typically say rest in peace while being alive. We usually whisper this at a graveside. We usually, you know, it's a silly little RIP on a phony little tombstone for Halloween decorations that all my neighbors seem to put out because they want to scare my kids, right? Like that's where we say rest in peace. So how, but I I found the principle. This is what David is writing. He, He invites me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. You know what he's saying? Because the Lord is my shepherd, I can rest in peace, regardless of what's surrounding me. So why don't we rest in peace? Here's why. Because it's not the trouble around us. It's not even the emotions that we feel because, you know, we're going to feel anxious. We're going to feel afraid. We're going to feel depressed. We're going to feel scared. Those are normal emotions. But there's a layer deeper under those emotions and under that thinking where our minds start to race because cortisol is throwing off our thinking. Under that, There are layers of shame, of guilt, of inadequacy, of a deeper layer of fear that we're gonna lose control, that our identity is attached to the circumstances and now we're losing who we are. There's a layer even deeper where we are spiritually or at a soul level, we lack rest. This is where the problem lies because we have a spiritual crisis called sin. We were all born with sin and sin poisons us from the inside out. Sin causes us to believe that we are surrounded by our fears, that we are hunted by our troubles and that we are facing a future that is worse than the present because it's true. The consequence of sin is that we're cut off from God forever. So we're headed toward an eternal judgment. That's bad news, no matter who you are, no matter how good life is. So as a result, sin is poisoning us from the inside out, leaving us with this foreboding fear that life is just getting worse, no matter how good it is. Please hear me. I I feel like I need to call an audible on this moment. I wanna make sure that you do not believe something. I wanna connect the dots for you. Do not walk out of here believing that because you feel stressed or because you feel anxious or maybe you have a disorder, an anxiety disorder, or you you wrestle with depression or some type of uh, maybe even it's suicidal tendencies, please don't interpret that as me saying that's sinful. 
Like meaning, I, I am not saying that because you feel anxious, you are sinful. What I am saying is at a deeper lever, level, it's as a result of the fact that we live in a broken, sinful world and you and I are broken, sinful people. And so it fractures the way we think. It fractures the way we respond emotionally because we are broken and we live in a broken world, we have broken emotions and we think in a broken way. Do you, you see the difference? I, I'm not pointing the finger saying that emotion is sinful. What I'm saying is it's anchored in something deeper. And so you can treat the symptom. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. Go to the doctor, see the psychologist, Talk to the psychiatrist. It's okay if you take the medication to treat the emotional issues or treat the mental challenges that you're wrestling through, but don't stop there, okay? That's what I wanna challenge you with. Don't stop at that layer. This is what happened for David. So David looks out and he wants the water. So his friends think the solution to the stressful situation is to get him the water. So they literally pull out their swords, march in, break through the enemy camp, get him water, from the sweet well, they bring it to David and they're like, David, here we'll solve your problems. But David knows a drink from that water won't take away the stressful situation. So you know what he does? David takes the water and goes like this. This water nearly cost my friends their lives. This is blood water. Only God deserves that kind of worship. And he pours it out. Now, if I'm the friend, I'm like, David, what are you doing? That guy just put my neck on the line for you. Do drink the water at least. And if you're not gonna drink it, let me drink it. Okay, David pours that. Here's what David says. God deserves my worship because only God can put me at rest. This water is not gonna treat the problem. This water is not gonna fix the deeper level of what's surrounding me. And so he pours it out in worship to God as if the water was blood. Then they pull out their swords and they go to war. All right, so check this out. We're gonna jump back in this story. So David went to ba uh, Baal Perazim and there he defeated them. So he gets victory. David fights and defeats his enemies. Check this out, I love this. He said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. He goes like this. Just like I poured out that water, in worship to God, God has poured out his power to fight for me. God has broken up, broken open the dam of heaven and gone to battle for me. Even though he used my sword, even though he used my abilities and my friends, it was God that fought for me. So God will work through me to fight for me. And he said, I, I honor God with the worship of the water. And so God breaks out for me and fights for me. Here's how Jesus described it. We're gonna jump ahead a thousand years to the writing of a guy named Matthew who chronicled the life story of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 11, he captures a moment where Jesus says this, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, those of you who are surrounded by enemies, surrounded by life troubles, who feel the trouble around you has become trouble in you. You're now weary and burdened and I will give you rest. You can rest in peace. Take my yoke, take the workload I give you upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls, not rest in your emotions, 
Not rest in your thinking, rest at a deeper metaphysical level, at a spiritual soul level, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. David poured out the water as if it was blood, water that came from Bethlehem. Thousand years later, Jesus born in Bethlehem pours out his blood like water to rescue us from our troubles. Not the troubles that surround us, but the troubles that poison us from within. Jesus gave his life to pay the price for the sin that has poisoned us. He gave his life to purchase us from the death we deserve and to rescue us from eternal judgment. So anyone who believes in Jesus is forgiven of their sins and given new life because Jesus not only died, he rose again from the dead and in the power of his resurrection, he conquers the grip of sin. He frees us from the fear of death and eternal judgment. And because of his resurrection, when we believe in Jesus, his spirit comes into our spirit, giving us new life and true life and eternal life. And when God's spirit is in our spirit, check this out. This is the part I wanna make sure you don't miss. When God's spirit's in us, we can begin to rest in peace. Not because the circumstances around us are peaceful, but regardless of the circumstances, our peace is found in Christ. So we can come to him where we can find rest for our souls. Now that rest at a soul level begins to affect our emotions, begins to affect our thinking. I would go so far as to say, when you rest in the peace of God that comes through faith in Jesus, it can even begin to affect your cortisol levels. Now don't quote me on that. I'm not ready to do the research on it. Frankly, I wouldn't even know where to begin. But I can tell you that when you find your rest in God through faith in Jesus, it will begin to, when you, when you heal the roots, it begins to affect the fruit. All right, so let's jump back in. Here's David hiding in the cave of Adullam, looking out at his enemies, where he writes, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. What is David saying here? I don't know about you, but I, don't, I didn't know a lot about shepherding. I've seen sheep. I've been overseas where I've seen shepherds and sheep, but I had to do a little research. Basically, what he's saying is this. If you're gonna rest in peace, you have to rest in God's peace. Our peace is found not in the circumstances, not in the quieting of the raging waters around us, but the fact that God gives us peace through faith in Jesus. So let's just take this verse apart. I'm gonna gonna unpack it for you a little bit here. Two basic things that sheep need, food, water. Same thing you and I need, food, water. Same thing everything in biology needs, food and water. Uh, But in certain times of the year, the shepherd has to work really hard because don't forget, portions of this region of Israel are like desert. And so when it gets to the time when there's not a lot of water, it would be really hard to find green pasture and quiet waters. And so the point is, the shepherd has to work really hard to bring the sheep to green pastures and quiet waters. And so David is reflecting on the fact that God who is his shepherd is hard at work creating the circumstances for us to rest in his peace. Not to give us peace around us, but to bring us to a place where in our hearts, 
We can rest in his peace. You know what God did to do the hard work of giving you green pastures? He died on a cross for your sins. He created green pastures through the purchase of his own blood. He paid the price so that you and I could find quiet waters in our spirit. Then he invites us to lie down. Sheep don't lie down easily because they're skittish creatures. They're they're animals that are always nervous and so they don't lie down. Okay, so in order for a sheep to lie down, it has to feel perfectly at peace. And what David's saying is, God, you didn't just invite me to graze in green pastures. You actually bring me to a place where I am so at rest that I believe that regardless of the enemies that surround me, you are my protection, therefore I can lie down in green pastures. These green pastures, they're not what he's talking about here. Again, since you and I don't have a lot of context for this, he's saying like, this is the best. Like this is the filet mignon for sheep, all right? This isn't just leftovers. This isn't a a pasture that other sheep already grazed in. Like God, you went out of my way to, you went out of your way to create the best possible setup for me to be provided for. God, you're giving me your best. This isn't a past, past. God doesn't want to bring you back to a place where you were previously provided for. He's also not forcing you to wait for the next pasture, right where you're at, regardless of what's surrounding you or threatening you or the troubles that are circling you. God has set you up to give you his best in this very moment, regardless of what you feel is going on on the outside, on the inside, you can rest, knowing you have the best of God. Then he leads you beside quiet waters. What does this mean? First, the fact that God leads you, I want you to catch this. Uh, in part one, I, I use the illustration of the cowboy versus the shepherd. The cowboy drives the cattle to the slaughter. A shepherd leads the sheep to be shorn. He needs the sheep alive. If you're being driven, something beside God is driving you. God does not drive us. He leads us. Sin will drive us. Shame will drive us. Selfishness will drive us. Fear will drive us. God will never drive us. And I'm saying that as a very driven person. I want to achieve. I want to accomplish. I want to work, work, work. I think that's the answer for everything. And I tell my kids that. Let's go, let's go, let's go. It's, you know. And we have staff at LifeHouse. They feel driven. I get it. And here's the thing. But when you study this, you go, God does not drive us. He leads us. So what's driving me? And I have to deal with that because that's a trouble in me that's, that's responding to trouble around me. But God leads, which means he's always out in front. He's guiding me. He's directing my paths. He's not just telling me where to go. He's actually guiding me to get there. I'm following in his footprints. Okay, he leads me beside quiet waters. The idea here is that a sheep, you gotta think about a big fluffy sheep with thick wool, all right? If a sheep drinks from a river that's raging, it puts its face down into the water, the wool falls down, the wool gets sopping wet, it's heavy, it will actually pull the sheep in. Sheep who are not good swimmers get heavier and heavier because the wool quickly sucks up the water and they drown. So shepherds don't lead their sheep to fast moving rivers. They lead them to quiet pools and still waters, a slow moving brook. And if they can't find one, they will go to a river and they will dam it up. They will put rocks into the river so that a portion of the water spills out into a quieter area. 
so the sheep can come and drink from still water while a river is raging next to them. And the picture is this, that God is carving out for you a quiet, restful place so that we can rest in God's peace, even when the river is raging next to us. Now, I hope that when you hear this, you walk out and you go, I am going to rest in God's peace. And then tomorrow you're going to get up and go to work. <laughs> and suddenly the deadlines and troubles and financial challenges and all the issues are going to come flying back. Have you ever noticed that there is a pattern to stress? There is a pattern to distress. And when you have a pattern of stress, you need to find a pattern of rest. That's exactly what David experienced. He's hunted, hunted, hunted. In fact, he beats this enemy back. He wins the battle. And you know what happens? Check this out. One verse later, this is what it says. Once more, the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. Now, maybe you didn't remember that from a few minutes ago. That was literally the exact same place they were a little while earlier. So David inquired of the Lord and he answered, this is the part I want you to catch your attention. When there was a pattern of distress and a pattern of stress, David found a pattern of rest, which means this, rest is better than stress. Oh, isn't that cute? Oh, there it is. It sounds like a cheap cliche. That's not a prescription for anything. Please don't think that I'm offering you some cheap anecdote or some cheap antidote to stress. What I'm saying is this, it's a choice. We have a choice in moments. You can fall, when there is a pattern of distress and stress around you, you can let it become stress and distress in you, or you can discover the pattern of rest. How do you build a pattern of rest into your life? Well, David inquired of the Lord. When the same enemy came back to the same battlefield, he could have thought, I thought I beat these guys. Now they're right back here again. He could have thrown up his arms and said, I'm defeated. I already fought these guys and I thought I won, but clearly I must have lost. Or he could go like this. The same enemy on the same battlefield I need to go back to the pattern of resting in God. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He invites me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I can go back and inquire of God again, trusting that he is my answer. He is my battle strategy. He is the one that breaks out against my enemies and fights for me. Do you see the difference? David's a warrior. He's a king. He could have trusted himself. He could have trusted his own skill, his own ability to fight, or he developed a pattern of resting, which is better than stress. Here is our instinct. If you're anything like me, you just want to work longer hours. You just want to try harder. You want to get right back into the battle and go, okay, I didn't beat it that time, but I'll beat it this time. Man, like you, you and I, like we cowboy up, we man up, I've got this. And we try to strong arm distressful or stressful situations, but David doesn't try to battle it in his own strength. He chooses rest. Okay, God gives us this as a gift. If you go back to the beginning where we hear the story of God creating the heavens and the earth, and then he, on the seventh day he rested, if you jump ahead, where God gives a nation freed from slavery a day of rest and he commands it. He says, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What he was trying to instruct this nation was, in order to be 
freed from the thinking of slavery, you need to take a day off and rest. Jumping into the New Testament where we discover that Jesus is our rest, we have to find a pattern of rest through faith in Jesus. One of the ways we honor that is by taking a day off on a weekly basis. I know it sounds crazy. You've got work to do. You've got deadlines to keep. You're in school and you've got papers to write. It doesn't make sense to stop producing on one day. But what God's trying to teach us is that if we take one day of rest, we begin to trust that God is our victory. God fights for us. God can get more done in six days through our life than we can in seven You with me here? God can work in our life to accomplish more with less because he is fighting our battles. And so what happens is when I take that day of rest, the Sabbath day of rest, what I'm saying is, God, I'm gonna cease from working, I'm gonna cease from doing good things, and I'm gonna do a holy thing, which is I'm gonna trust you, and I'm gonna rest in you. And God, I'm gonna put my life circumstances into your hands. Rest is better than stress. But the goal is not just to have a day off of rest. It's the goal is to discover that God is my rest so that tomorrow when I get back to work and I get back to producing and I get back to creating, I am constantly reminded that no matter what pattern of stress chases me down, that I can find my rest in the knowledge that God is for me, God loves me, God provides for me, God protects me. God is surrounding me regardless of what other troubles surround me now now is your and I's challenge because you can hear all of this and you can walk away and step right back into patterns of distress where cortisol levels rise and you're stressed out of your mind and there's sin poisoning your life or you can put your faith in Jesus Christ and say, God, yeah, I might feel anxious, I might feel overwhelmed, I might feel like life around me is totally out of control, but I am gonna find my rest in you, which produces peace. And so the first step is where you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's not gonna take away every trouble, it's not gonna, I, I assure you it won't, but it will give you an inner healing that frees you from the poison of sin. And then God begins to heal us from the inside out. And maybe you believe in Jesus by faith, but right now you need to actually find your rest in him. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.